0: So in this series on God is, we're walking through this because what you think about God will directly impact how you relate to God and how you relate to other people. What you know about God will directly impact how you live in this broken world in which we live, how you navigate life. It will, it will impact your thought process. It will impact even how you feel. And so it's important for us to know the the breadth and the depth of who God is. Now, I'll, I'll say right off the front that we are finite creatures created by an infinite God, and we will never fully grasp in our finite minds his, omnipotence, His omnipresence, His omniscience, His purity, His holiness, His love, His immutability, His righteousness, His sovereignty. We'll never completely understand all of that. But the more we know and understand about God, the the more able, the more resources we have to live in this world that honors Him, that brings Him glory, that pulls other people to see Jesus Christ as the Savior of uh, the world and as their individual savior as well. So we've talked about God as father, God as son, God as holy spirit, the trinity. Last week Michael did an incredible job talking about God's righteousness. This morning, as we take communion, we want to talk about God's love. In John 3:16, God's word says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish." But have eternal life. God loves the world. Many of us have learned that verse as a child. It's simple, it's true. It's true all the time in every age and every circumstance for all people of every tribe, of every tongue, of every nation. For the fatherless and for the widow, for the infirm, for the poor and the meek as well as the rich and the proud. For the weak and the weary as well as the strong and the able. For the bad, the better and the best of us with the good and the bad and even the ugly in us. God loves this world. Romans 5, 6 and 8 said... Paul wrote these words, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves the world. Now, many of us would agree with that statement readily agree that God loves the world, but where some struggle <clears throat> is, does God really love me, specifically, individually, in an intimate love, passionate love, for me, regardless of others around me? God loves you. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because He first loved us now, I want you to think about that. <clears throat> excuse me, that selfish state in which you were born. You remember? Well, you may not remember it personally, but if you've had children, you've relived it. Uh, when you were born, you cried for everything: diaper change, cry; hungry, cry; thirsty, cry; lonely, cry; frightened, cry; hurt cry. Bored, cry. And then there is that, hey, somebody just pay attention to me, cry. We cried for everything. Now, never did you think, never did you think, you know, mom is tired. I'll give her a break. Or dad is busy. I'll wait till he's finished. Or the movie is halfway through. I'll wait till the credits roll. Never did you think, the ball game's in overtime, I'll wait till it's over. You never never stopped and said, wait, mom and dad haven't slept for a week, I'll give them a break. And, And never once did you think, hey, everybody forgets to buy milk every once in a while, I'll drink water today. You didn't do that, did you? Never. We simply want what we want, when we want it, the way we want it, and we want it given to us by the exact person we want to give it to us. Rosalie taught me that last week, my granddaughter. Pam and I had the the awesome privilege of having them spend the night, and Pam has gotten in this tradition. Uh, BG's her grandmom name, and so BG holds Rosalie's hand as she falls asleep, and and then in the process of doing that, and I was in a different room, Winnie decided that she wasn't ready for, to sleep either. And so Pam went from Rosalie to check on Winnie, and I heard what was going on, so I rushed up to take care of Rosalie so she wouldn't feed off of Winnie. And, and uh, Rosalie then caught her eye on, on BG going to Winnie, and she said, "Babo, you go take care of Winnie. BG needs to take care of me. Yeah, she's orchestrating who it is that's going to do what she wants right now just for her. So, think about it this way, when we do wait for our turn, when we forfeit what we want, when we give up something for someone else, when we help instead of demand, when we understand someone else's pain, when we carry someone else's burden, when we refrain from putting your own stress on another person, when we do those things that are totally, totally selfless. Where in the world did that love come from? The Bible tells us we love. We're just good people. No. We love. We have the ability to love. We are given the capacity to love. It is within us to love because God first loved us. God is love. He loves the world. God is love. He loves you. And that love is not emotional. And it's not responsive. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. You know, we use the word love in many ways. This weekend, perhaps you have experienced some romantic love and some Valentine's Day tradition. It's basketball season, and there's a few of us in the room that love basketball more than we do football. Some are addicted to things that produce a temporary feeling of love, lust, companionship, passion, pleasure. For so many of us, we see love as emotional and responsive. And if love is emotional, emotional and responsive, then it is also conditional and changing. Did you hear that? If love is emotional, then it can be conditional. And if it is responsive, then it is changing. But that's exactly opposite of God's love. God's love is not primarily emotional, though it is full of passion. I mean, think of the passion. Think how deep and great His love is for you, that He would come to this earth in the form of a baby Jesus incarnate, God incarnate, and die on a cruel cross for us. It is full of passion, but it's not emotional. It doesn't change with how he feels. And God's love is never changing. He loves us the same yesterday as he does today. And he'll love us the same tomorrow as he does today without even a performance review. Can you imagine that? God buzzes you and says, hey, come into my office. We need to do a performance review today. You sit down in God's office and he does that review and he says, oh, looks like I can't love you very well today. You haven't measured up. No, God's love is not emotional. God's love is not responsive. It's the same yesterday and today. So if it's not emotional, if it's not responsive, what in the world is God's love? Well, the Bible tells us, Let's, let's put verse 8 with 7 in Deuteronomy 7 and read them together. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Two things are evident in that passage. God chose to love you. It's as simple as that. He did not simply respond to some feeling he has or does not have for you. He did, not res- he did not respond to something that you did or something that you did not do. He did not respond to something that you are or something that you are not. He doesn't respond with love when you are good and withhold love when you're not good. He set his love on Israel. That's what the Bible says. He chose to put his love on Israel and he chooses to put his love on on us. Why does God love you? Some of you aren't going to like this answer. He, he loves you because He does. You know, when, when someone says, I love you, we kind of like to know why. And we ask the question, why do you love me? Uh, are, are you attracted to me? Do you think I'm pretty or handsome? Do you think I'm smart and witty? Do you think I'm strong? Do you think I'm talented or gifted? Why? You know, we don't want them to say, just because I do. But think about that just a minute. Isn't that a blessing that God loves you just because he chooses to? Because if he loved you because you were smart and witty, what on those day, What about those days you weren't smart and witty? Or what, what if you're just not smart and witty? You're just dull. Or you're not attractive. Attractiveness is more than just physical attractiveness. There are days very attractive people to the eyes are not very attractive in their attitude, are they? God chose. He committed Himself to love you. He loves you because He does. Love is born out of a commitment to love regardless of who I am what I can do, how I look, or even how well I behave. That love without condition, born out of choice, is wonderful. And it is a love that is an action. It's not a feeling. No, He does for us what is in our best interest. Now, you may say, well then, why did this bad thing happen to me? Or why did that stressful thing happen to me? Listen, the sovereign God knows what you need. And just like a parent knows, there are times a child needs discipline. There's a time a child needs to learn patience. There's a time a child needs to learn something and to grow in some area of their life. And God knows What he needs to do, what he needs to put into our life to help us grow, to be that person that glorifies him and tells others about his wonderful love. So let me ask you this then. How does God love you? Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 5 read this. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love he hath loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. God loves you so fully. God loves you so completely that when he sees us lost and dying and no way to find our way back to save ourselves, he did what only God could do. And the only thing that we needed to save us. He made us alive in Christ. What that means is that God paid the price for our sin by sending His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. The Hebrew writer wrote, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. We don't deserve it but God's rich mercy provides us. We are unlovely, but God's great love pursues us. We were dead, but Jesus sacrificed his life that we might live again. There is nothing that we can do to obtain it, but God's grace provides it. God's word, I think, talks us through some next steps that you and I may need to take today. Paul said, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have a peace, that's the first key word there, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, that's the second key word, in which we stand. And we rejoice, the third one, in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, another key verse, key word. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Perhaps one of these five is your next step today right now for some that next step is to live in peace you know Romans twelve eight says if possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with all people perhaps your next step leaving this place today is to pick up a phone write a letter make a visit pray about and step out to do the next thing In a relationship that doesn't have peace. Perhaps your next step is to stand in grace. In 1 Peter 5, 12, Peter wrote, this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. When you realize truly that God's love is not emotional, it is not conditional, that God's love is a commitment, an action born out of his choice to love you, you can stand firm in that grace. You don't have to waffle wondering, does God love me today? Am I good enough today? Will I you know, make the grade? No, you can stand firm in your faith because of God's grace. Your next step, perhaps, is to live as if you're standing firm in God's grace perhaps someone here today's next step is to rejoice in hope. Romans 12:12 12, 12 says rejoice in hope, be constant in prayer. And I think that couplet is there because the only way for us to rejoice in hope is to be in constant prayer communication with the father reminding us of that hope that is in us. We we hear about it on Sunday Or perhaps the occasional time we open up His Word, if we're not doing that like we ought to regularly. And so in constant prayer, we're reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. And we can rejoice in that hope, regardless of the circumstances around us. And then, maybe someone's next step is to endure in suffering. That same verse, Romans 12, 12 says, Be patient in in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Again, a couplet. The only way that you and I can endure and be faithful in our suffering is to be in constant prayer with the Father. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the perseverance. Give me the vision of what this suffering might produce in me. Endurance, character, love, hope. Then finally... Perhaps there's someone here today, your next step is to be reconciled in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five verse 20 says, "Therefore, we, that's the believers, are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As a believer. God has called me, not just as a pastor, as a believer, God has called me to be an ambassador of reconciliation. If you're a believer, you have as well. Perhaps there's someone here today you need to implore, you need to encourage, and you need to be praying for every day that they will be reconciled to God. And if you're that one, Perhaps God's Holy Spirit has pressed into your heart and your life this morning and you realize God loved you enough to die on the cross for you. He simply wants you to repent and turn to Him. Put your trust in Him. Call on His name and you will be saved.